Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. It is wonderful to be able to be here with you all this morning. Uh, I guess my million dollar question is, is, is this PowerPoint going to cut off my head? or not. But uh, we'll find out in a little bit, and if not, I will move down, and that is no problem. But it is, uh, it is a pleasure to be able to be here with you all. Uh, on behalf of the Fissenier and Kenny Church of Christ, I want to share my greetings. Yeah, well, a little bit, but I think we'll work. But really, uh, from Fissenier and Kenny, we want to thank you guys so much for your fellowship uh, and, and kindness. We have had a good relationship with you all for many years, and any time that I visit, it's always an encouraging thing to see old friends and to make new ones. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing, especially with my work with Buckeyes for Christ. Uh, there has been a lot, a lot of students over the years that have come from Pickerington, that attend at Pickerington, that I've been able to work with, uh, with Fissinger and Kenny. I know Richie Alexander, uh, I am not responsible for sending him up to Michigan. Uh, People in Michigan need him, and, and uh, it's good that he is there, but I know we miss him, but I know his brothers, I believe, went before him. Uh, I know we've had Christina Weaver, uh, Kaylee Hall, Josh Hall's wife, uh, is wonderful. Um, I'm glad that she was baptized just a couple months ago, and, and she is a gem uh, of a lady. And uh, Abby Haynes, uh, I, I have to actively think on saying that because I'm going to get that wrong for a while. Uh, but having these people have been a tremendous encouragement to me as a Christian and our whole congregation at Fissenier and Kenny. So thank you for sending us some of your best people. And we hope that that relationship will continue on and that we will get more and more good Christian men and women for our, our program. We are doing good work uh, with, this, with the Buckeyes for Christ program, and just thank you for all that. I'm glad that we sang the song, Count Your Blessings. Uh, I appreciate you singing that beforehand. Uh, that song in particular is good because it, it lets us stop and think about all the different things that God is, has done for us and provided for us. And normally we think about things like our, our financial blessings, the homes that we have, the relationships that we have, these kind of things, but one of the things that I think that we don't think about that is a gift from God that is mentioned many times that we don't think about is that of the conscience. Talking about a conscience is normally something that we uh, talk about with children and we talk about that little voice in your head, but the Bible talks about it in all sorts of different places, but we, we don't really regard those verses as much when we get older. What is the conscience? Well, that question came up in Pinocchio. And in Pinocchio, Pinocchio had Jiminy Cricket. And Jiminy Cricket explains. He says, what is a conscience? I'll tell you. A conscience is that still small voice that people won't listen to. That's just the trouble with the world today. Uh, one of my obscure interests, and I've got lots of them, is, is ukuleles. And old-time ukulele music. Believe it or not, they've been around for a long time. And back in the 30s, there was a guy by the name of Ukulele Ike. Cliff Edwards was his name. And he was the popular musician of the day. And he was popular enough that Disney asked him to be a voice. 
And he was the voice of Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. But Cliff Edwards, I actually found out about him after the fact, looking up old ukulele music. But Cliff Edwards was the top of the music scene back in the 1920s, 30s, all the way to the 50s. But the man died destitute, poor, alone. He had gone through three divorces and was addicted to drugs and alcohol when he passed. And it's a great, terrible irony that the person who talked about listening to that still small voice had so much problem listening to it. But the Bible has so much to say about the conscience, and I want us to consider this here this morning. We're going to first talk about how God's, uh, the conscience from God empowers us and gives us strength. And then we're going to look at four ways in which our conscience can fail us. So that if we watch out for these four ways, hopefully we can be strong in the Lord. First of all, I want us to consider that our conscience is an empowering gift from God. It is a gift from God. It helps us to make right decisions. And we need to make right decisions. We're faced with all sorts of different things in our life where we, we don't know quite what to do. We don't have all the information laid out in front of us, and I know hindsight is twenty twenty. but what do you do at the time whenever you're faced with a difficult decision? Thankfully, God has given us this little voice in our head to help drive us to the right direction. We've heard stories before about people that have been caught up in dangerous situations. And they say the hair sticks up on the back of their neck and they know something is not right and they need to get out of there. Our conscience is like that for moral problems. We're put into situations where we don't know what is the right thing or not. But we have that still voice in our head that tells us this isn't right. And we need to run away from that. God has given us this intuitive voice or feeling to be able to help us out. And that conscience gives us a great help. It helps us to be able to feel guilt. It first works by making us feel an appropriate guilt. And then after that appropriate guilt, when we do what we're supposed to do, it helps us from feeling guilt from that point on. When we do something that we know we shouldn't, that guilty feeling pushes us to the point where we need to repent and, and try to fix what we have done wrong. But once we have repented and done what we are supposed to do, we are able to live guilt-free. This is talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9-10. through 10. Paul talking to a church that was doing wrong. They had repented. They had done what they were supposed to. He said, as it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. See, our conscience can help us go to a point of guilt, not guilt of the world, but guilt that leads to repentance. That is the conscience and is a wonderful gift from God. God tells us that He wants us to have a good and a clear conscience as well. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, 
Paul is talking to Timothy through the Holy Spirit. He says, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that you may wage the good warfare holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwrecks of their faith. You see, we are to hold on to having a good conscience. God does not want us dragged down by guilty, terrible feelings all of the time. This is what we are to strive for, to not feel guilt and to have purity. God wants these things for us. And how do we have it? I know this is scripture heavy at the beginning, but I I want us to, to see these verses that maybe we've not considered in this way before. But the Bible tells us how we can have this peace with a good conscience. And it comes through baptism. Two verses here for us to consider. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we are baptized, not only are we having our sins washed away, but we are crying out to God that, God, I cannot carry this burden anymore. And He allows those sins to go away and allows us to feel good as well. Our consciences are assuaged. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. See, when our bodies are cleansed by baptism, it's not our physical bodies, our spiritual body is cleansed. But our conscience, and it describes it from the heart here, but our conscience is sprinkled clean, and we don't have to carry that guilt anymore. That is how a conscience is supposed to work. This is the right way. But Satan is crafty. Satan is very good at what he does. And he finds ways to pervert this great gift of God so that it doesn't work anymore or doesn't work in the right way that it should. I want us to consider four ways in which our conscience can fail us. First of all, uh, we're going to be using a a nice little graph for this. Uh, And you're going to see that there's two different qualities here that's going to affect this. There are those that have no knowledge of God, and there are those that have the knowledge of God. There are those that have faith, and there are those that have no faith. And depending on where you are on this chart, it will affect how your conscience works. There's actually a third one that we will mention at the very, very end, besides knowledge and faith. But I want us to start off here in the bottom, where somebody has no knowledge of God, and they have no faith. And what is the conscience of a person that has no knowledge and no faith? They are a person of the world. The conscience of the world has no knowledge, and it has no faith. These are souls that do not know God, and as they do not know God, they cannot have faith in Him that He can take away their sins and give them peace that lasts through eternity. It is a sad place to live if you are one in the world. 
Because it is a place where somebody can feel alone. They can feel guilty. Because the sins are on their shoulders and there's no way that they can remove it. It's no wonder that in the world they try to find all sorts of different ways to get rid of the guilt of sin. They will go into drugs and alcohol, extramarital sex. They will find all sorts of things to either cover up the guilt of sin or to replace the sorrow that they feel in their hearts. They have a conscience that is not working right. But even with them, even with them, they have some sort of guilt. They know that something is not right. And in Romans chapter 1, we see why. In Romans chapter 2, excuse me, uh, it starts in 1 though. It says, They show that the works of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. You see, even without knowing God, the people in the world have that conscience in them and they know that there is something higher in the things that are seen around them. And that can cause them to realize that something is not right. Our question here today is how do we prevent this? How can we prevent having the conscience of the world? Well, the good news is if you're here, you've already taken the right steps. If you are here, you are taking steps to listen to God. You see, you are hearing Scripture that has brought that up today. It's, it's not me, it's the Scripture, the Word of God. And the Word of God teaches us knowledge, and by that knowledge, hopefully we will develop faith. But we are on the right track if we are here this morning. But we must make it our mission to consider that there are those outside of this church. There are souls in this community, there are souls in this state, there are souls in this nation, there are souls in this entire world that do not have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And they need somebody to come and tell them that they can have a clean life and a clean conscience. We need to make it our mission to go out and to talk to these souls. That is why I love what I'm doing with Buckeyes for Christ. And I can't do the work. I, I can't go talk to teenagers nearly as much as what our young people do. And what we do is we facilitate, we help these young people to go out and to reach out to their peers on campus and to teach them the good news of Jesus Christ. Make it your mission to spread the word of God. There is also another type. In the second way, there is the conscience that has knowledge but does not have faith. The conscience that has the knowledge of God but does not have faith in who He is and what He does. And this is the conscience of dead works. These are souls that have the knowledge of God but not enough to trust His grace. This, if anything, is the one that I admit that I fall victim to the most. And I appreciate in our Bible class today, we talked about this a little bit, about uh, understanding the grace of God and the things that He can do for us. Like, like the previous conscience, it is laden with guilt. But it's not laden by guilt because you don't know what to do. It's laden by guilt because you don't have faith and trust in God that it is up to Him to forgive us of our sins. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we read that we are saved by faith and not by works. Yes, there are things that we have to do in order to be right with God, but those are not us earning our salvation by any stretch. Those are merely accepting the free gift that God has given us. God has made it very clear that from the beginning, that works and things that we do do not save us. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9, uh, he starts off this principle, and we're going to look at a verse immediately after this, but he starts off by saying that gifts and sacrifices offered cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. The Hebrew writer was saying that all of those rituals that they went through in the Old Testament could not perfect the guilty conscience that people had because it was not truly saving them. It was all in prospect for Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the answer. For in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, just a couple verses later, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from what? From dead works so that we can serve the living God. See, through Jesus Christ, all of these empty works, us trying to strive for our own salvation, we realize that it's wrong, and through Jesus Christ we receive peace and salvation. When we allow the guilt of sin to drive us into a point where we are in this obsessed state of perfection, and worry, we are missing the point that God has offered us a free gift. He has done the work for us. How can we prevent this? Well, we can prevent it in two different ways. Number one, consider all that God has revealed. You might know the Word of God, but do you know all of the Word of God? Have you centered in on those verses that talk about the salvation that is free? Focus on those verses. And one of the ones that I like a lot here, remember that our entrance into heaven is abundant. I have heard the phrase before that it says, if I get into heaven, I'm only going to get there by the skin of my teeth. All right, you know what? If I get to heaven, I'm not going to get there by the skin of my teeth. If it's all up to me, I'm not going to get into heaven, period. If I'm going to get into heaven, it is going to be because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and it is going to be abundant. It is going to be a parade. It is going to be so easy that it's not even enough to be considered. Because it's not up to you and I, it is up to Jesus Christ. And He died for you. So if we're going to make it, we're going to make it well. Focus on that. Do not be burdened. Do not be burdened by dead works. In the third place, we have the conscience of ignorant zeal. These are people that have faith, but they do not have knowledge of God. They do not understand who He is and what He wants from us. And out of all of these, I would say that this burdens my heart the most. Because it is the most common in Christianity as a whole today. These are people that have a sincere faith in God, and I do not doubt their sincerity. They believe in God, but for one reason or another, they are ignorant of all of the oracles of God. They do not consider, because maybe they don't read the Bible for themselves, and they only listen to their preacher, and their preacher has a particular agenda. 
Maybe they have just been raised in a particular faith tradition or denomination and they just stay with that rather than looking at what the Word of God says. They worship God in ways that He does not ask. They allow things that are sins into their lives and they don't do things that God does call us to do. There is an ignorant zeal that they have. The conscience of ignorant zeal is excited to worship God and they are unaware. It's conflicting. I want to be happy. I really want to be happy that there's so many people that like Jesus. I, I really want to be happy about that. And I am happy about that. But I am torn down. I am torn down by the, the, the wrong things that they do. I want to have fellowship with so many different people because we have this common interest of Jesus Christ. But whenever the Bible comes in between me and them, I cannot fellowship with them. And it ends up being a terrible, terrible tragedy. But that's the mindset of Christianity today. It's ecumenical. It is choose a church of your choice. Go where you want. There's a reason why there's the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is indeed paved with good intentions. And there's going to be a lot of people at the judgment who are going to ask, Lord, did I not do X and Y in your name? And Jesus is going to have to say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. We need to avoid this. I can think of no greater example of the conscience of ignorant zeal than Paul. One of the powerful verses here comes in Acts chapter 23, verse 1, where Paul is in front of the court and he's explaining himself. And he says, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. That means that Paul, the persecutor of Christians, the guy that watched Stephen, an innocent man, be killed, he did so in good conscience because he did not have the full knowledge of who God was. And it wasn't until Jesus stopped him on that road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He needed information. He needed information and he got it. We need to watch out for this so much. Paul could not rely on his limited understanding. He needed all of the oracles of God. So how do we prevent this conscience of ignorant zeal? We need to remember that we do not have perfect knowledge today. We are all on a walk. We are on a walk with Jesus Christ. And what you know today is not necessarily what you knew yesterday, and what you know tomorrow will not necessarily be what you know today. You are going to be developing if you are living right because you are staying with your nose in the Word of God. We cannot rest on our laurels and assume that we understand everything about God today. But we are on a path. We are on a path to understand Him and we want to study the Word of God. And we need to realize that that conscience that we rely on so much, that conscience is only as valid and good as it has been trained by the Word of God. So what do we need to do? We need to study the Word of God. Open it up every day. Look through it. We need to defeat our pride. We need to stop listening to the preacher. That includes me here today. And we need to read and check with the Word of God.
And the last place, the conscience that has faith and the conscience that has knowledge, but it doesn't work right. It is the conscience without feeling, the conscience which has been seared. You know how I said that there was a third point uh, that was brought up in here? This would be it. And it's a person that has seared their conscience. They have the knowledge of God to believe that He exists. They have the faith to know that He can do things. But they do not have the gumption to be able to do anything about it. They harden their hearts to be able to make a change. The conscience without feeling can really be two different people here. Uh, the, the, the classical seared and then something else. The conscience without be feeling might be a soul who is not in Christ, who's never been in Christ, who refuses to heed the gospel call. One of my good friends, uh, when I lived in Nashville, when I taught, uh, his mom, uh, I remember him being so happy when his mom was finally baptized after 35 years of going to church, I believe. She just didn't do it. She just never pulled the trigger. She sat day in and day out, and she knew what she needed to do, but she never got up and made a difference about it. There are some that do that. They know what they need to do, but they don't make the change. But it can also be a soul that was once saved that allows their conscience to be seared, to be numbed. I, I burnt my thumb back in high school uh, messing with uh, glass for our chemistry class, uh, and I burnt off my thumbprint. I thought, ouch. Um, but then after that ouch, uh, it was really cool because I couldn't feel anything with it. Uh, I can now again. But for a while, I mean, it was just, it was nothing. That's a scary thing I can't feel any Sometimes I wish that he wishes that he didn't feel any pain. Uh, sometimes you think that that might be a wonderful thing. But whenever you can't feel pain, you don't know when danger's around. And that is a terrifying thing whenever we cannot tell when something is sinful or not anymore because we have sinned so much that we are numb to it. It is a terrifying prospect that we can all fall into if we are not careful. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, but the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by which of hypocrisy of liars who are seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. There are teachers out in the world and there are individuals out in the world today that have had their consciences seared and we cannot do that. We can assume that just because somebody believes in God and they have faith that He can do anything that people will obey, it's not the case. It's not the case at all. Because we read about Pharaoh that knew who God was and he saw plague after plague after plague after plague, yet he still rebelled against God. We see Judas Iscariot who sat at the feet of Jesus Christ every day for a good three years and yet still rebelled against Jesus Christ. If you think that you are immune to having a seared conscience, you are wrong. You and I both can have that happen. How can we prevent this? How can we prevent this? Keep it from happening in the first place. Keep this from happening in the first place. The good news is here today that if you are worried that you have a seared conscience, you don't. <laughs> All right? 
Let me say that again. If you are worried that your conscience is seared, the good news is there is still hope because you are worried about it. Are you going to do anything about it though? We need to prevent this from happening in the first place so that it will not. Because the more we push through sin and ignore that voice, the more that voice will go away and go away until it is gone. We need to listen to that godly trained voice. Let it be trained by God and listen to it. And do not let your pride keep you from obeying the Lord. Do not allow your pride to keep you from the Lord. Our conscience is a wonderful gift from God. It is a blessing that when it does what it is supposed to, it helps us feel good. It helps us have a peace that cannot be described, that only comes through Jesus Christ. But Satan can corrupt it either by knowledge, by faith, or by care. We need to watch out for this. If your conscience this morning is heavy, if you've got that little voice that is saying, I have not done what I need to yet. I have been trying to carry these burdens by myself for too long. Do not ignore that voice any longer. Do something about it. Go to the Lord. If you have not yet been saved, you have not yet been baptized and allowed God to sprinkle your conscience clear whenever you receive salvation, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. That if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you want to turn from your sins, if you're willing to admit and confess to everybody else that Jesus is the Christ, we can baptize you this morning and allow your sins to be forgiven. If you have been in the church but allowed your conscience to become seared, and you need the prayers of the congregation, and you need to come back to the Lord, the elders here would be more than willing to pray with you about these things. If we can help you this morning, we ask that you please come forward as we stand and sing.